But I want to go into the Word of God this morning. And if you will, turn to me, uh, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11 and verse 4. I'm reading in the New King James Version. Ecclesiastes, chapter 11 and verse 4. And it reads like this. It says, He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. I want to read it in another translation uh, as well, just to, just to define it further. The New Living Translation reads like this. And a big thank you to Norma, who's helped put all this together with me. Um, it says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud... They never harvest. Hallelujah. And speaking this morning simply on the thought, sowing in any kind of season. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe that God wants to make his church the type of church that is willing to sow no matter what the season looks like, no matter what the winds blow our way, no matter what the clouds bring into the sky. Amen. He wants to raise up some people who are able and willing to sow in such a kind of environment. If you believe that today, say in Jesus' name as you're seated this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to all of our guests today. So glad you, you made it. I um, want to acknowledge my good friend, Bri and I's good friend, and Halika this morning brought her son with us, with her, and so glad to have you with us today. Amen. Amen. Want you to feel comfortable and welcome. But we've got to be able to sow in any kind of season. When uh, Bria's uh, papa was here, uh, just a, a few weeks ago, we call him Papa. He's actually Lincoln's grandfather. And if you notice in the back behind me on the screen is a picture of a bowl of tomatoes. And the reason why I have that up there is because um, they got Lincoln some tomato plants. And they said, uh, Lincoln, you know, these are your plants. He's into farming. Most Most people, most adults kind of go from jump from one thing to the next to the next. Well, Lincoln, uh, he's, into, he's into farming these days, as well as the solar system, as well as the human organs inside the body. So he's, he's into a lot of things. And so they said, well, why don't you try your hand out at this? And so he put, um, we put the tomato plants outside in the heat of the sun. And we said, you're responsible for these plants. And he did. He went out, and I, I you know, stayed at home with him a lot of times working from home. He'd come, he'd come out in the middle of the day, Dad, I've got to go and water my plants. Papa said, I've got to take care of these plants. So he would go out, and he would um, water them regularly and daily. And I'll be honest with you, as a father of a five-year-old farmer, I didn't have like a ton of faith in his ability. So the first day that that plant uh, reaped a tomato and he brought it into me, picked it and he said, dad, look, it, you know, it, it turned red, it, it, it ripened, here's my tomato. And he brought five others just like it. And the reason that I bring that up today is because I want to tell this church that if a five-year-old 
could sow into a situation and reap fruit. Amen. I believe that God can use each and every one of us to begin to sow into our lives and sow into others to produce fruit. When, when Jesus called Peter that day and said, come and follow me, Peter was just a fisherman. When Jesus called other disciples, they were about their various tasks and, and various occupations. And he reached out to, to one and he said, I know you're a tax collector. I know you're a publican, but come and follow me. And that one came and followed him. He, he maybe wasn't the most popular with the people. Peter wasn't the, the most experienced in ministry. I want to tell you today, you don't need a, a, a theological degree to be used by God. You don't need a, a, a background and, and a pedigree, a, a connection to, to some history for God to just be able to use you in your life, for God to, to cause you to sow into some things and not to worry about, amen, what the circumstances might look like. This morning on the way into church, Lincoln said, Dad, I can't wait until we can take these masks off and the virus goes away. Hallelujah. I can't wait either, but I'm here to tell you today, the virus may or may not go away anytime soon. I don't know. Hallelujah. But there's, a, there's some sowing and some seeds that need to be sown today, no matter what, into the kingdom of God, into, hallelujah, the kingdom of God and into souls. I'm thankful for the sowers that go out and say, I'm going to sow faith no matter what the circumstance might look like this morning. I'm thankful for the sowers that say, I'm going to come to church today and sow worship in my life by lifting my hands, by putting my hands together. God, I'm sowing worship, hallelujah, back into you, back into the kingdom. I heard a preacher say one time, he said, there's, two there's only two times in life when you worship Jesus. The first one is when we feel like it. And the second one is when we don't feel like it. That means it doesn't matter what time it is. Amen. It's a good time to lift up the Savior, to lift up the Master, to begin to magnify His name. Hallelujah. I believe at the end of this service, we're going to be able to lift Him up and God is going to be able to bring glory back into our lives, to sow some response back into our lives, some reciprocation. Because I believe that there's some people in this house today that are saying no matter what my circumstances look like right now I'm going to worship him God wants to bless you in a windy season church God wants to bless you in a stormy season but in order for him to bless me in those kinds of seasons he's got to be able to see me sowing in those kind of seasons hallelujah in order for him to be able to pour into my life he has to see me planting the seed it's the law of the harvest. Amen. It's the principle. I'm not talking about a, a physical principle. I'm not talking about going out and, and getting a combine somewhere and running it over the fields. But I'm talking about sowing back into the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Tim was talking earlier about um, love and, and giving out of love. And I think of the fall as, of course, a, a, a time of love, a time of family, you know, going on a walk, 
spending time with your children, um, those kinds of things. But uh, the story I want to share with you right now didn't necessarily happen in the fall. It was more in the springtime. But it was still a time of love, and it was back when Bria and I were first getting to know each other and dating. And, um, bef- uh, you know, way back when, before the ark was built, that kind of thing. Way back when. And, and so um, it happened to come upon Valentine's, Valentine's Day. And we got together. And, of course, as, as those who are courting do, I went out. And um, usually it was some kind of, like, perfume or, or some kind of gift. And, and, and we were, we were going we to get together, have a date, and exchange these gifts so i was excited someone said how many how many loves to give i was excited about giving her that gift and so we got together and she opened it up and i think she liked it or at least she pretended to like it and so that made me feel pretty good but when it came my turn she gave me this present it was wrapped and so of course eagerly i'm like this is going to be awesome uh, it's going to be all about me. You know, Matt, you're such a, like a knight in shining armor. And thank you for rescuing me. You know, as a da- damsel, you know, you're, you're the Prince Charming, the one I've been waiting for my whole life. And I was excited. And so I started to tear the paper back. What's inside this present? And as I pulled the, the, the paper back more and ripped the tape off and, and got inside of it, it was kind of a rectangular shape, square, you know, about this about this thick and and um it was leather bound and and slow I opened it a little bit slower and then I I read on the on the front of that leather bound book it said uh holy bible Thompson chain version holy bible and my heart kind of sank within me and I thought what (laughs) you know what kind of gift is this on valentine's day I don't know if anybody's ever given, you know, the wrong gift on a holiday. I'm sure I have a bunch of times, but I was a little disappointed. And I don't know if you're good at hiding disappointment um, in your own life experiences, but I'm not very good at it. So my whole countenance and visage changed. And I thought, you know, what in the world is this? Thank you for the Bible. I mean, it was a nice Bible. Thompson Chain, NIV, Leather Bound, those are not cheap. Bible school students covet those things. As a matter of fact, I had lost one in Stockton, California after a, you know, a conference service that they would have there every year. And I left it in the car seat of a, back then it wasn't Uber, but it was just, you just, you rent a car and um, they come pick you up and drop you off. And um, I left it in the backseat of that car and I was beside myself so it was a cool gift it just wasn't a valentine's gift necessarily but i learned a lesson in that moment and the lesson that i learned is is the lesson that i hope that this church could latch on to today and going forward in your life and the lesson that i learned was that there was someone in my life that loved me so much that they wanted to pour back into my life in a spiritual sense Someone that cared about me so much that they cared about my spiritual well-being. That they cared about the, the success of my soul. That they cared about my destiny. That they cared about where I would spend eternity. 
And so I learned that about her. I learned that, that of all the things that she would ever do for me, the things that I valued the most were the things that had to do with the, spiritual, the spirituality of my life. Those are the things that came to be the most important to me. Those are the things for which I was most thankful for. Just recently, uh, a couple of weekends ago, we went up to Breckenridge just to get away and get into the mountains. And um, I don't wear ver- contacts very often, but when I do, I like to have a nice pair of sunglasses to wear um, them with when I'm out and about. And so, so anytime I do, I, I, I treasure and I, I covet my sunglasses. And so I bought a nice pair. I went to the, the store, the Ray-Ban store. And um, I, try, I must have tried on every pair of glasses in that place. Okay, which one is going to, you know, which one's going to fit my face? Which one's going to look right? If I'm going to spend this money, you know, it's got to be just right. And it wasn't just a, a few months later last summer I don't, this probably never happens to anybody else. You get something nice, you get something new, and it disappears. It vanishes, you lose it, and it's gone, and you're like, what in the world happened? And I could not find them anywhere. So I looked everywhere, searched the house up and down, I thought... You know, in my head, I was like, someone took my glasses. You know, I, I wasn't happy about it. And, um, but this past couple weekends at Breckenridge, we were going on a, on a bike ride, a long bike ride from Breckenridge to Frisco. It's about nine miles or so. And so we were preparing for that journey. And we decided to use my backpack as like the, the snack bag and the everything we need bag for Lincoln. And so she, of course, cleaned out my backpack which um, I don't always like to do, and, and you'll understand why here in a mo- moment. But in the process of cleaning out that out, she discovered my sunglasses way at the bottom of that backpack a year later. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. I love you so much. Thank you. You know, kiss, kiss, and, 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 and all of that stuff. And, and, and so I got to wear those that weekend. But... Um, even with all of that, all that she does for me, amen, I most appreciate the times when she says, you know, hey, buddy, you need to get your attitude in check. I most appreciate the times when she says, hey, sir, you know, you, you got to get your spirit right. You got to get your heart right. I love the times the most when she comes to me and says, you know, hey, you know, let me help you out. Let me give you some, some spiritual advice right now, some spiritual suggestions, spiritual recommendations. Maybe, you know, it, uh, she'll say, you need to go spend some time in prayer right now. You need to go hit your knees. You know, you need to go uh, get close to God. You need to go find an altar somewhere. You need to pray through. Anybody ever have mom tell them that in their life before? You need to pray through right now. You know, you're, you're, <laughs> uh, you're a mess. Go get in the presence of God. Go repent. And so she would sow into my life. And, and in Breckenridge, she said, what would, you know, what would you ever do without me? And I said, well, I don't have to worry about that because I'll never be without you. God gave you to me and you're my helpmeet. That's what you do. Helpmeet is just a fancy King James word uh, way of saying, help me. 
<laughs> so you're, you're helping me, and I'm thankful, and I'm grateful. But like Tim referenced this morning, the thing that I wanted to do was be, uh, begin to sow back into her life. Figure out what she needed. Figure out what spoke to her. Figure out what blessed her soul. And, and, and of course, there's gifts. And she's like, you don't need to give me, you know, um, anything fancy or anything nice and, and, and all this stuff. You know, I, I like that personal closeness. I like that quality time. But I figured out one thing that she did like is she liked white orchids. And so I would go and I would, um, she, I always had a, a, a plant of white orchids in the house. For the past uh, years now, there's never a time in our house where there's not flowers that she likes. They're fresh and, and lively and beautiful. And I take care of them. I water them. They're my personal responsibility. And when those begin to, to die or fade away, then I, I bring a new one in. And I do that for her because I want to pour back into her. I want to give back into her life. Amen. But there's someone else in our lives today that I want to talk about that does that for each and every one of us. And they are, I believe, a godsend to us. And sometimes they come and they speak into our lives and they say, hey, sir, hey, ma'am, hey, friend, you need to get your heart in check once again. And they come into our lives and they speak and God uses them with a word and a message and and can anybody guess who I'm talking about right now? Pastor, when I talk about this, amen, and we all know the story well, but God sent this city a pastor, amen, and pastors are a gift from God. Pastor didn't call himself to Denver, to Aurora, Pastor didn't, didn't send himself across the country to go someplace and to plant a church. But God said, I'm sending you there to those people because I love them and because you love them. And I want you to be able to pour back into their lives. Amen. And so they came and they planted a church. This kind of message that I'm talking about exemplifies who we have in Pastor and Sister Mitchell. They're the kind of people that sow in a hard season, church. Listen to me when I say that they're the kind of people that sow in a difficult time. They're the kind of people that are willing to be used by God, not when it's convenient, not when it's easy, but when it's hard and when it's difficult and when there's a challenge that lies before them. How many thankful that they answered the call, that they heeded, the will of God that they said I'll, I'll go and I'll do and I'll be used because we all know the story very well that when they came there was just another couple with them I believe came alone to start start from scratch start with nothing amen to come and to plant a church and to build a work and look around you because of that effort because of that burden because of that desire people have been filled with the holy ghost people's lives have been turned around people have been baptized in jesus name people amen have been blessed in the kingdom of god people are living for god today you and i are living for god today because of a calling and because of an answer to that call that said, God, I will go.
They could have said, Lord, I want to wait for an easier opportunity. God, I want to wait for, for something that's a little closer to my familiar surroundings. God, I want to go somewhere where, where there's a ready-made church, where I don't have to dig very hard or so very long. But they didn't. They said, God, I'm willing to sow on a windy day. Oh, hallelujah. I'm willing to reap on a stormy morning. Hallelujah. I'm willing to dig when it's hot outside. Hallelujah. When the sun's beating down on me, when there's no relief in sight. I'm so thankful for that today. And because they sowed, hallelujah, God caused a harvest to grow. Because they sowed, God caused revival to happen in the city of Denver. Vertical church grew up. Amen. Vertical church is growing up. It's continuing to grow. I mean, we, uh, we're able to see the results of that. When we open our eyes and we just look around. Amen. But when pastors do that, it's on us to, 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 to bless them back and to be a blessing. To say, Pastor, how can I speak into your life? How can I, I reciprocate and, and, and feed back into your soul? Pastor, what is it that, 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 that you love? What is it that you desire? What is it that blesses you? Because you see, it's a reciprocal uh, situation. Amen. As, as God pours into us, we begin to pour into someone else. As God pours into us, we begin, begin to sow back. We don't just take it all to ourselves and say, I'm good. But be, we continue to sow when it's hard to sow it reminds me of Paul in the Bible God called him to Colossae and he called him to Philippi and he called him to Corinth God said and saw a need and he said Paul I need you to go and I need you to plant a work there he was a, Paul was a church starter like our pastor was pastor started a church in Asheville North Carolina took a, a, another church in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, planted a church here in Denver, Colorado, a, a, a church planter, a seed sower, someone that was following the will of God wherever it would lead. And Paul said in his word, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, he said, I know how to both be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and both to be hungry, to abound and suffer need. You know what Paul was saying is he said, I learned, I learned how to do this in a time of little. I learned how to do this in a time of need. When we learn how to sow in a time of difficulty, we'll know how to, how to, how to, how to abound in God. When we learn how to sow in a time of hardship, we will know how to abound in God when he, begins to, when he begins to bring that produce and begins to bring that harvest in our lives. Amen. We know the story of how Vertical Church started, but I want to take you back just a few years prior to that when uh, Sister Lisa, and she's here today, and I'm thankful for that, but... Um, I had a chance to sit down and talk to them and, and just get a little bit more about their story. And, 
it started way back when she was just a teenager when she became a twinkle in pastor's eye 30 years ago amen 30 years ago in october they would have have been been married and we see the blessing and the favor in their lives right now but we don't see how it started out amen we see the goodness of god in their lives right now but we don't see how it how it began at the very beginning pastor told me that she got her first nice new dress as a teenager come on they started on the evangelistic field in a in a mobile home situation traveling from city to city they lived in apartments they you know they they uh, they dug out the wells that they needed to dig for themselves they had, sure they had uh, connections in the ministry but they had to do the work themselves nobody was going to help them and and nobody was going to do it for them but they had to lay the foundation. And I'm so thankful that they did because you see, amen, them pouring into our lives started a long time ago. It just didn't start in 2012, but it started back when God said, I want to build a life together with you. Amen. I want you to build a ministry and to be used by God in such a powerful way. Amen. And, and in October, uh, of this year we have an opportunity to be a blessing into their lives to be able to sow back into their lives the bible says that the elders that rule well should be counted worthy of double honor hallelujah hallelujah thank you jesus people who pursue ministry they understand that before the ever before the reaping ever happens the sowing has to precede it. Hallelujah. People who are called by God and want to follow his will understand in their lives that before the joy of mourning ever comes, there's a night of weeping that will precede it. Hallelujah. People understand who are used by God in a mighty way and put themselves on that potter's will. They understand that before the, the benefit and the blessing and the favor ever comes, there's got to be the hard work and the labor and the rolling up of my sleeve and putting myself into that place and saying, God, I'm willing to put in the work and do, hallelujah, what you have called me to do in a powerful way. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would speak to this church today on this. We have, you know, a lot of us have grown up in church and grown, grown up around this. But some of us may be new to the church and new to the things. But there's some principles in the Bible, some spiritual principles, I believe, that are so important. And those are the principles of honoring the ones that God puts as the head and the leader of our church. Amen. The one that God uh, uh, puts over us in, in our lives. The Bible says they that are over you to submit yourselves because they watch for our souls. And so we've got to, we've got to understand that and recognize that and, and, and be able to honor that and, and be able to sow back into our pastor. Sow back into the ministry. 
Hallelujah. I opened this, this message today with a story about Lincoln and, and Bria's papa. Her, her father's a, uh, he's a, he's a, you know, a gardener. He's a, a planter. And so he knows a lot about that, that kind of thing. How many gardeners do we have in the house today? How many green thumbs are out there? I see a couple of hands, few hands, not very many. Some people like to do it. Um, I'm not very good at it, but I would love to have. My mom has um, jalapenos in her backyard, and she's got bell peppers and and, and all these things that she's been growing over this past summer. And and so her dad was in town, and he was giving me some, some recommendations on my grass. I had a couple of dead spots. And he said, you need to, you know, you need to clear that spot and you need to plant the seed. But as you plant the seed, he said, you need to cover it with sand and, and you need to make sure that the ground is, is moist and watered. What he was giving me was directional understanding on how to be successful, you know, in this, in this planning process. And I believe in our own lives when we sow, we have to sow with direction. We have to sow with purpose. We have to sow with focus, not just spreading the seed anywhere and, and, and any which way and allowing the wind to come and to, to blow it away, but to apply it in a way that it makes sense and apply it in a way that it can be the most productive in our lives. Hallelujah. And so when we sow, we want to come together as the family of God, as the body of Christ and sow back in to the kingdom of God. I want to give you a a, a closing scripture in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 24. Jesus was speaking to the young man that he entrusted some things in his kingdom to. And the Bible calls him uh, the man with one talent. And it says in verse 24, it says, Uh, He which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you are a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. He said, "I, I knew you were tough. God, I knew these were tough circumstances. These were, this was a difficult challenge that lied before me. I knew that it would not be easy, he said. And in verse 25, he says, and I was afraid. Let's put ourselves in this man's shoes for just a moment with me, you will. And he said, I was afraid. I was scared. Some of us at times when God calls upon us, there's, there might be fear. There might be um, a, a frozenness that gets upon us that, that causes us not to move. And he said, I went and hid your talent, God, in the earth. And he said, here, God, I have it. Take which belo- that which belongs to you. He went and he hid it away because fear had gripped his heart and gripped his life. Would not allow him to sow. Would not allow him to produce in that season. And of course, in the scripture, it's described as one talent. But in the in the... Uh, natural, if you, would, if you would take it and understand it, some um, commentators, they talk about this one talent as being a lot of money and having a lot of value. And God said, I've placed 
that value in your hands. Think about it with me today, church. God has given you and he's given to me many blessings. Great value in our lives. A great value add to, through the ministry of the church. A great value add through the blessing of our pastor pouring into our lives. He has given to us something of value, something precious, something special. Hallelujah. And we've got to be able to recognize that today. Among all the other things that pastor may do for us, he may tell you, you know, hey, if you're remodeling your home, this is a good idea. Pastor may be able to tell you, hey, if you're going out to hunt some bighorn sheep, let me tell you how to, how to you know, survey the terrain. Let me tell you how to, how to hike up into the hills. Let me tell you what kind of shells to use and, and, and what, what kind of long gun will work best for that. Or, or, you know, or uh, compression bow, whatever it is that you're using. Let me tell you a little bit. But above all those things that pastor adds into his, our lives, the greatest thing is our spiritual well-being. The greatest thing is the destiny of our soul. The greatest thing is the value that God begins to use him. Come on, let's put our hands together right now. Let's just thank God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, God, you've given us a pastor. You've given us a leader, God, that above all things, he has the, the interest of our soul at heart in your mighty name. And so that, that master and that Lord of that one with one talent, he said unto him, he said, you wicked and lazy servant. He said, you knew I had, I had reaped where I did not sow. He said, you knew this about me. There's no excuse. He said, you knew that I would gather where I had not strawed. He said, you should have just at least put the money to the exchangers. And then at, at my coming, I would have received my own with usury. Oh, hallelujah. I don't want to make the mistake today of being the one talent servant who hid it all away. I don't want to be that one to make that mistake today because God says, you knew when I called you there would be some tough times. You knew when I called you there might be a 100-year pandemic that you'd have to have revival through and you'd have to worship through all the way. You knew when I called you that it would not always be easy, but you knew that sometimes it would be tough, and yet I still expect you to sow in such a season like that. I still expect you to give worship and praise. Hallelujah. I still expect you to invest back in the kingdom with your talents, with your resources, with your ability. I don't expect you to hide it all away. Oh, but I expect you to sow back in to that situation because that is what I've called you to do. We have no excuses this morning, church. When God asks, we respond. We answer with the words, here am I, Lord. Send me. Here am I, Lord. I will do what you ask of me. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, it says, don't store, yourself, store up for yourselves treasure on earth 
where moth and rust will corrupt it, but lay up a treasure in heaven, hallelujah, that will have eternal value, that will have eternal merit, amen, that will have an eternal result. George Bailey said it best. I don't know if you all recall who George Bailey is. If you ever um, viewed the production, the cinematic production of It's a Wonderful Life. He was the character in there that went through some tough times. And at the end of all those times, he learned a valuable lesson. And he said this, and I quote, he said, you can't, the only thing that you can take with you are the things that you're willing to give away. The only thing that you can ever take with you are the things that you give to someone else. The things, if you ever want to take something with you, give it out. Amen. Those are the things that will carry with you into eternity. Those are the things that will bless your soul. Hallelujah. For a lifetime. Not temporal. I love acquiring things to myself that, that I enjoy to do. Pastimes or, or material things. Those are all great. But the things that I sow into the kingdom of God are the things that matter the most. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to close with this thought this morning, church. And thank you for being here today, being attentive and listening and and following along. But I want to close with this simple thought that Joseph figured out right away. It's easy to dream a dream. In daddy's house. Come on now. It's easy to be a dreamer when everything's great and all is well and all is good. Someone hear me and listen to me today. If if nothing else you've heard, hear this right now. It's easy when I've got a coat of many colors wrapped around my shoulder and I'm the apple of daddy's eye. Look at this nice coat. Do you guys see it? Your brothers, look at my coat. Isn't it nice? It's new. It's it's custom made. Look at these colorful stripes on my coat. It's because daddy loves me. I'm the firstborn of, 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 of Rachel, his beloved wife. I'm the first one to come along. And daddy said, that's, that's my child. That's my heir. That's my next. He's the one that I will honor and I'll, I'll favor. Joseph, it's easy to have dreams and, and plans at home. But get out on the slaver's caravan. And where are your dreams then? Oh, hallelujah. Someone listen to me today. Hear me today. Joseph, it's easy to dream back at home. It's all laid out for you. It's all prepared for you. It's all done for you. But get into Potiphar's house where you're accused and lied on. Try sowing there. Try doing something with that. Try working with that, Joseph. Amen. It's easy when it's easy, but it's hard when it gets hard in our lives to be able to sow and to be used by God and to do something for God and say, God, I want to give a Bible study. I want to be a giver, God. I want to be a doer. I want to be a worshiper. Get into the the prison cell with Joseph and try sowing and dreaming a dream there. I don't recount in the Bible where Joseph ever dreamed again 
those dreams in those hard times. I don't recall in the Bible any, any other time that he would have dreamed a dream. Joseph could have, could have gotten bitter and thrown it all away and said, God, look what you've done to me. I'm supposed to be reigning in, 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 in the regalness of royalty. And yet you have me rotting in a rank prison cell with the riffraff of those around me. God, look where you've taken me to, God. After all the dreams and, and all the promise and all the favor of Papa. Oh, hallelujah. I'm here. What did Joseph do? He said, even in this place, I'm going to sow I'm going to sow back into someone else's life. I may not have dreams of my own, but I'm going to help someone else's dream come to pass. I'm going to begin to speak into someone else's life, someone else's dream, someone else's work. I'm going to sow. I'm not going to quit sowing. Hallelujah. I'm not going to stop with what God has called me to do. But I'm going to speak into your life, and I'm going to begin to minister to you, cupbearer. I'm going, to be, I'm going to begin to, to minister to you, servant of the Pharaoh. I'm going to begin to interpret your dreams. And I'm going to begin to, to, to be used by God to fulfill your destiny. And I believe that God stepped back and looked at Joseph's effort. And I believe he said of him, if I can trust you in the desert place. If I can trust you in the stormy times, Joseph, then I know that I can trust you in a drought. I know that I can trust you in a famine. If I could trust you there, then I know that I could place you here and still be able to trust you. Because somewhere along the way, you've learned how to be abased so that you can learn how to abound in God. Oh, mighty God, be prayerful with me right now, church. Hallelujah. Think about this when I say that the enemy, the first thing he wanted to take away from Joseph was his identity. Give me that coat. It's not yours anymore. Give me that coat. It doesn't belong to you anymore. I'm stealing it away. I'm ripping it away from your life. He said, I will test you at the very core of the person that you are, that the person that God called you to be, I will take away your identity and I will smear the blood on it and I will take it to Jacob and I will say, Joseph is no more. Oh, hallelujah. I believe that in this church, God wants to take away some of our, or, or, or the enemy wants to take away some of our identity. The enemy wants to steal our identity as a worshiper right now. Come on, as a praiser, as a lifter up of the name of Jesus, as a giver. He wants to snatch it away. Hallelujah. As a giver, as a lover of others, a lover of souls. He wants to steal it away from your life. He wants to say that's not who you are anymore. The good old days are gone. We're living in the here and now where times are tough. The economy's up in the air. Amen. Things are different now. You've got a mask on your face so, so you can't worship God the way that you've been used to worshiping him. 
But I believe inside of every one of you is a sower that's wanting to break out. Inside of every one of you is a sower that's wanting to still be used by God. Can you stand with me in this place? Hallelujah. I I believe inside of every one of you is a giver that says no matter what is going on in this economy, in this world, in this society, no matter what is happening right now, I'm still not going to let that chain my bank account. I'm still not going to let that handcuff my finances. I'm still going to be able to give back into the kingdom of God. Come on, is someone hearing me today? I'm still going to pour into souls and be a soul winner. I'm still going to give Bible studies, even if it has to be online, even if it has to be over Zoom. I'm still going to be a sower because my faith says that God will respond and bring a harvest to my life. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a sower inside each and every one of you. Can we just begin to stretch our hands and reach out to heaven and pray to God right now. God, continue to use me in this hour.